When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody. Welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm Chase, and I'm here with James, as I always am. And on today's show, we will be joined by Sam Dracula. He is a Hornets YouTuber and host of the Believe in Hornets podcast with former Bobcat Raymond Felton. Definitely going to want to stick around for that interview. But first, the two of us are going to talk about what's recently happened with the Hornets. James, how's it going today? It's not going great. I got covid that's um, not great that's not great no that's no not it's not and be- because of covid i will add that i've missed i missed the entire celtics game and i missed essentially half the nets game so i, I i'm not, i like normally i come in this and i'm like oh i've seen this i'm seeing that i'm relying on you and sam today to to try and help pull me along i'm gonna i'm gonna need the help and support of my uh podcast co-host and, and guest today but um look i'm hanging in there's a bunch of people who've had it way worse um it turns out chase there's a really good reason we didn't have music gigs for two plus years right and that's because when you get everyone in one tiny space on top of each other that's where you get covid and that's exactly what happens so yeah it sucks but um i'm i'm hanging in how, how are you doing I mean, I first, I, I'm, I think I speak for myself and our listeners when we say we hope you feel better soon, but I've been doing pretty well. Uh, I've just been kind of hanging out lately. It's getting to be spring uh, up in Maine now, so it's, the weather's a little warmer. You can go outside. It's just generally a bit of a more positive air, but I've been pretty good. Just, you know, work, work the G League season is wrapping up soon, so work's been pretty busy too. I love how you're like, we can go outside. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's a, that's the standard. Like, it gets to, like, early March, and then it's like, oh, it's not, like, still 25 degrees in, like, the middle of the day. So you can wear, like, a sweatshirt yeah. when you go outside. It's comfortable. Well, you know what hasn't been so good? Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. No, no. I mean, I'd love to say – I'd love to, for us to come in here and talk, say that, like, loads has changed. But to be honest, the feeling around the team is – kind of similar to how it was almost at the all-star break again, like Mm -hmm. uh, just really not very competitive and like looking at on paper, losing to the Celtics and Nets two games in a row, 
you're supposed to lose those games. Like you look at the teams, you look at the rosters, but just the the manner of the defeats, how the team have played, some of the moments in the games that if you watch them have made those losses feel like really painful. Um, it's been tough going for Charlotte right now. Um, I, I've not watched the last two games. Well, the last game and a half, I should say. I, I, get, I collapsed essentially at halftime the next game. Chase, what is it? What's been the issue? What have you seen from the get time you watched? Uh, it's just like at certain times the offense just dies, which wasn't something that we saw early in the season. And I like we we've talked about this before. Like their shooters are just so bad right now. Like guys that eventually, theoretically, if you know math is a thing that actually exists, which I'm not sure that it is, but that's another podcast. But if that is true, then they'll eventually get back to, you know, closer to their career averages and the offense will naturally pick up when that happens. But to the same degree, it's just kind of like, so like LaMelo had, I think six turnovers when he got pulled early in the third quarter of that, um, the game against the Celtics, like miles hasn't played particularly well in really like any game uh, in the last like couple weeks, even the art uh, considering like the standard that he had set for himself, like going into this year and at the end of last year and stuff. But it's just really, it's really difficult when like basically Terry Rozier is the only reliable scorer in your like eight or nine man rotation. And you also aren't very good at defense when on the other end, because of the, there was a period after the all-star break where they were playing good defense, but, that has kind of fallen off as they played Brooklyn and Boston. But I mean, you could attribute that to Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum going for 50 and 44 in back-to-back games. And you know, that you're not likely to have players go for 50 and 44 in two games in a row against you very often, but still, I mean, it, it, it the defense hasn't been as good and the offense is still just as like prone to collapse as it has been for the last Geez, like a month and a half. <laughs> and it, it's so bizarre because the whole, like the Hornets play a read and react system. Um, you heard Steve Nash say the other day and Borrego talked about it. Um, they're a really hard team to scout because they don't just have set plays that they run. And Borrego's talked about the, they want to be that. They want to be a read and react team so that you can't just like start the year off great with all these f- cool, funky plays, but then halfway through the year you become scouted and your offense becomes bogged down. The frustrating thing is that's exactly what seems to have happened where it's, it's not through set plays, but everyone now knows the Hornets' tendencies to want to get out and transition. Um, you know, when they drive, they're driving to pass. Uh, they know, you know, there's certain people who are just allergic at finishing around the rim. Plumlee does not want to shoot when he gets inside. He wants to pass out. And it just feels like a lot of teams have adapted to take away everything the Hornets want to do. And the Hornets just don't have a plan B or a C like they just, like you say, just keep trying to do the same thing. And I think I tweeted this out really in the season that the East is so close this year from like, honestly, top to bottom. It really is Mm -hmm. that the teams that get better during the season are going to be the ones who, you know, finish up in the playoffs. The Hornets have not got better. Um, They've got significantly worse. And with an improved in, roster at the deadline too, adding like a formidable yeah. backup center, which they needed. And that the impact of that seems to kind of come and gone of it. You, you're not feeling Harold's impact quite as much on the games from what I've 
from what I've seen and also from what I've heard. Um, the, the, but like the big thing is you realize you've got to remember you're at the point in the year now where you don't have many practices. The Hornets aren't having many practices like that. Your improvements now come from film and your ability to adapt on the fly. And I just don't think this Hornets team are good at making those adjustments just from watching film and kind of going to the next game and clicking and implementing that. Whereas I think some more vet teams, like there's a reason vet teams don't need to practice as much. Like young teams need to practice. They need to be drilled. They need to be reminded. They need to kind of learn what they need to do. And I think that's really hurting this team right now. Yeah, and I, the youth, I think, is a big part of a lot of it because I mean, and when a certain you know a player gets cast into a different role than what they were in all season, that gets harder to adjust to. Like when Cody Martin was shooting really well at the beginning of the year, for example, yeah. they didn't need him to shoot like lights out, but like right now, they kind of need him to be like a really good shooter, and that's a lot different when your team is relying on you for that type of thing than when a lot of your shots are kind of just wide open in the corner when the team's already in rhythm, you know, stuff like that. It, it's, it just comes a lot more difficult for everybody. And I mean, I, we know that a big part of it is because Gordon Hayward is injured, but hopefully he's going to be able to make his way back for the end of the year. Uh, on March 7th, before one of the games, Borrego uh, in his press conference said, uh, end quote, Gordon Hayward is making progress. I can say that he's pushing it. He's headed in the right direction. So that is, I mean, it's encouraging. It's still not like a timetable for injury or anything like that, but uh, that was from Rod Boone, by the way, he tweeted that out for a uh, former guest of at the hive live. Uh, I think it seems like he's at least has a chance to come back. Whereas last year they kind of just didn't say anything. And then they were like, yeah, he's not coming back. So I've got an update about this, right? Last year, I went back last year. It was announced on May 1st that Gordon Hayward was out of the walking boot. Okay. That was exactly. And he sees the playing tournament finished on May 18th. So he didn't play in that playing tournament, but I remember him saying in his exit interview at the end of the year that he was literally a week away from probably like being back on court and playing again. So if we say that's a week away, we would probably say if the playing game against Indiana was on the 18th of May, if he said he was a week away, it's about the 25th of May. That means it's roughly, roughly, judging on last year, which you cannot always compare one ankle sprain to another. They are different. But if you want to use it as a guide, he got out the boot on May 1st last year. He felt he was ready to get back on the court and play by May 24th. So you're essentially looking at three to four week ramp up. Um, so if he's got out the boot now, you're going to be looking forward to this Hornet schedule. It's, I mean, he's still going to miss a serious bulk of time here, I think. If we take that 24-day timeline, that would essentially get him back for right around the playing time, the end of the regular season. So we're on the 12th of March today, the morning before they play New Orleans. Um, 24 days is going to take him pretty much to the last two or three games before the end of the regular season, where they've got Orlando, Chicago, and Washington to finish. So there is a chance, if we use that as a guide, he will be back for the end of the regular season. And to me, I, to me, I think that's fine. Like, I, if he can just get, like, four or five or maybe even three regular season games in to kind of, like, get his legs back under him before the play-in, I, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a win to me. Because at, at a certain point, like, 
this is the same injury as last year around a little bit earlier in terms of the schedule, but around the same time as it was last year. So, I mean, there was obviously the chance that he would just be out for the year again. So, I mean, getting a couple games, if possible, to warm up at the end of the year before being available for the play-in would be a massive boost. And getting McDaniels back recently was also a nice boost, too. I mean, just another shooter for a team that has really struggled shooting, and he's also a good defender, so... He's probably sad. probably the best defender on like yeah I, I was this year he might, might to, have been yeah we went into the season thinking it's gonna be Kelly Oubre like outside of Cody McDaniel's in terms of like someone who can guard fours like bigger bigger threes and fours McDaniel's I'd say is probably the best guy I'd say he's probably ahead of Thor right now um just from a little bit of experience yeah yeah I would agree I would say, yeah I would probably honestly I'd probably say PJ and McDaniel's have probably been the two best defenders on this team the yeah. throughout this year but yeah i, I don't I mean, know did you no go ahead did you see um kurt goldsbury's tweet in terms of where it kind of had a, a graphic of where teams are versus their expected wins essentially the vegas over-unders at this point in the season did you see that no i'm i'm looking it up right now though so uh fill the okay well I, I won't bury the lead i'll give you some time to look at it the hornets are slap bang in the middle as in they are as close as what Vegas predicted as any other team. In fact, slightly, I think they're one win above where Vegas thought they would be. Yep, I, so I pulled it they up are, now and it looks like they're like, may, yeah, maybe one or two wins above the uh, expected winning percentage where they are right now. So in the grand scheme of things, they are like, it's really not that bad. You think, oh, we've not had Hayward for so long. We had that terrible period where everyone seemed to get COVID and we were missing everyone. Um but in the kind of in the day-to-day micro, when you're watching the games, it feels really bad right now. Like it feels brutal. Um, but I just think it's important to to think this big picture. Like this, the reason this team was was thought not to be ready yet was they're ultra young compared to all the teams that they're playing. Um, so I mean, the Hornets right now are the fourth youngest team in the NBA, average age of 24, just about 25 actually. Uh, this hasn't been updated since the trade deadline. Um, the teams that they're going up against right now in the East, you've got Miami Heat, average age of 29, the Bucks, average age of 28, the Nets, average age of 28. Um, the Hawks even got, like, they're, they're top 10 for average age. They're 26 and a half. Like, they're going up against teams that are a lot more experienced than them. Their average rotation age is, like, 25.4, because you think, oh, well, they've got a bunch of young guys, but they don't play. But even their rotation, like 25, that's pretty much the average age of someone maybe like in their second contract uh, after the rookie scale. So I I definitely think that's playing a a role. But an interesting thing here is Memphis are the second youngest team in the NBA. Average age of 24, and they're flying. You also think, well, the Hornets have had some injuries. Actually, the Hornets have been one of the least injured teams in the entire NBA this year. If you look at, uh, is it called Man Games Lost NBA, the Twitter account, they tweet it, tweet out every now and then, like how many players someone has lost, uh, amount of minutes they've lost due to injury. The only teams that have lost less minutes to injury than the Hornets are OKC, Houston, and Minnesota. Like you've got teams like Denver, Miami, the Clippers, Cleveland, Again, this is another great example. Cleveland have had so many injuries. They've had uh, Evan Mobley was out for a period of time. Allen is now out. I feel like people have kind of forgotten that Colin Sexton is even on the Cavaliers. 
Absolutely. Garland <laughs> missed loads of time yeah. with his back. Like, so you see teams like Cleveland, who have had a bunch of injuries, but have managed to stay more competitive. You see teams like Memphis, who are younger than Hornets and are having success. So you kind of look at the Hornets and like, those are your two key excuses. There's been injuries, they're young. But then you look at examples around the NBA and you see other teams having success and you think, why can't that be us? And I, I understand that. And I share that frustration. Charlotte can never just seem to be that team that kind of buck the trend when they should be losing. They kind of manage to pull things together. I've said it before. We've discussed it on the pod that they just struggled in face of adversity. Time and time again, this team, when the chips are down, they rarely seem to kind of punch back. It's funny you bring that up because for the Hornets and Celtics game, since I'm in New England, that it gets blacked out on League Pass. I can't watch the Hornets broadcast. I have to just put on the, the NBC Sports Boston channel to watch the game. And Brian Scalabrini, the Celtics broadcaster, like was basically saying like verbatim what you just said. He's like, the Hornets like really need a win right here. And like they are in a spot to win this game, but they're still just not necessarily playing with like fire or energy or anything like that. And he's like, this could, if they beat a team that's like above them in the East after, you know, uh, splitting a back to back with the Celtics and Nets, like that's a big result for them for where they are in the play in standings. But, and it, it just didn't seem like the intensity level like met that uh, like the the stakes of what where they're at in the season right now not that like if they lose three games in a row they're going to be the 14 seed or something like that but every game does count right now because the, yeah. the, the teams in the east are so close together for the like, Washington and, the Knicks yeah. the Knicks are on a three game winning streak the Wizards I think are on a two game streak yeah you know there's there's some serious teams out there right now, like who are who are thinking, oh, they're sniffing, they're looking at Charlotte right now and going, we can, we can still break into this. And if they were to miss the play-in, that would be a huge disappointment considering where we were halfway through the season. Yeah. I don't see, I'm not super worried about that because the Wizards are like without Bradley Beal. They, you know, they traded away Harrell and uh, for Kristaps Porzingis, who's only played like a couple games with them, I think. Uh, I'm I'm not like super worried about falling out of the play-in, but I mean, the higher seed. How can you not can be get, at this stage? How I mean, can you not be I, I worried? Don't I don't know. I just, I, just, I don't know. I don't think that the Wizards are very good. The, I mean, the Wizards are in their last ten games are four and six, and the Hornets are three and seven. So I mean, they, they, they're, if anything, they're like slightly better than the Hornets recently. And I think overall, in terms of their roster, the Hornets are probably better for a Bradley Beal-less Wizards team, but. I mean, they, they, it would be very much within the realm of possibilities for them to get back into the 7-8 range instead of the 9-10 range if they, you know, had... You no, know, maybe, not happening. It could, it happening. could have been. If they had beaten Brooklyn or yeah. at least beaten Boston after losing to Brooklyn, it could have been. There's, but now... They're just in yeah. different worlds. No, yeah, I, I, I agree now. But it, 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 they, they had a chance there those the last couple of days. But, you know, yeah. life now goes on, though. It's the old classic hang on with your finger fingertips to what we've got. If we could finish in the ninth seed, that'd be great, you know. But I mean, Atlanta are being just as inconsistent right behind yeah. us. But uh, yeah, I've just got, I just think the confidence for the team right now is just so shot. They've got a great opportunity. I mean, hopefully tonight they get the win in New Orleans. The New Orleans team, which is missing CJ McCollum, um, Brandon Ingram. Um, like a, a, ho a host of other players, obviously Zion, 
uh, if they lose tonight, oh my days, it's it's going to be uh, scenes on, on Hornet social media and panic is going to settle in. But I think the team is flustered. I think you can see that in the post-game press conferences, they don't know what the answer is. Um, they're not confident. And how, how can, like with the young team, I think it's... It's easier to become a little bit more flustered. You've not been through it as, as many times before. And both like the Washington and the Knicks who are chasing them, they are more experienced teams. Same with the Hawks as well. I think it's safe to say that like all of the good vibes around the Hornets for like most of last year and even and the beginning of this year, especially, have come like crashing down since. Uh, I'm January 30th is the mark that I've been using is the, that uh, Lakers loss. I think that was like right before Gordon Hayward got hurt. Um, but after that, everything has been absolutely terrible, but what won't be terrible is this interview with Sam Dracula. It, it, James and I enjoyed ourselves very much. We hope you guys enjoy listening to it too. We'll be back with Sam after the ad break in a few minutes. Welcome back to At The Hive Live. We are joined by Sam Dracula. He is a Hornets YouTuber and host of the Believe in Hornets podcast with former Bobcat Raymond Felton. Sam, thank you very much for joining us. James and I are both really excited for this interview. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Uh, Sam had me on his pod over the summer. So this is a uh, this is me calling in a, in a favor to get have him come back on At The Hive Live. And uh, yeah, really interested to hear today about Sam about kind of how you've kind of grown your your YouTube channel hear a little bit about yourself your your podcast that you're doing Raymond Felton and also obviously get your thoughts on some of the Hornets as well um so yeah looking forward to a good conversation today oh yeah no me too me too uh this is not a favor I'm happy to do this like a favor is helping somebody move I'm more than happy to do this (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no lifting couches involved in this one yeah just got just got to sit for the microphone (laughs) So no, it sounds great. How would you say that you like got into being a YouTuber or and podcasting as well? Like, did you were you a Hornets fan like your whole life and just kind of always wanted to be able to create content about the team, or were you like led down the path in some way? So um, I'm I went to my my degree, my college degree is in broadcasting. I was a news reporter for five years. Always liked telling stories and that creative aspect of things. Not a big fan of showing up at crime scenes and things like that. <laughs> And so I, I left news a while ago uh, to get into marketing, but I still like, like to create uh, in my own time, making videos. You know, I like making videos. Um, I had a, uh, me, my, me and a friend of mine uh, started a soccer, po- so, sorry, football podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> we did it for like two years. It was cool. Um, but I, I wanted to do something like on my own. And at that time, this was 2019 um, when I started YouTube and I was watching the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, was at the time it was Milwaukee, Toronto. It was that series where the Raptors won it? Um, and I was seeing like just how Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee and Toronto, were just losing their minds about that. that I think it was a six-game series. It was so much fun. The Western Conference Finals were dead. Like the Warriors swept the Blazers. Like it was a four by like by God conclusion. Like what the how that was going to play out. And I was sitting there thinking like, man, we really. I'm really jealous of these Toronto fans, Milwaukee fans. They've been through so much. They finally got to this point that each team has a, me- a mega superstar. And I'm sitting there watching this here in Charlotte, thinking like, damn, I wish I could be a part of this somehow. I'm like, wait a minute. I got the Hornets here. <laughs> I'm not from here. I'm from St. Louis. I'm, I'm a transplant. 
uh, into the city. And, you know, I never had a team of my own. And so at that point, I was like, I'll be, I'm, I'm going to become a Hornets fan now that I live here. Um, at that point, I'd lived in Charlotte for like three years. Um, but, you know, very aware of, I was just an NBA fan in general, basically. It's kind of my, where my allegiance fell. Um, and then when I decided to do YouTube was when the Pelicans won the draft lottery. And they were excited. Like, oh, man, like Pelicans went from like trash to something really interesting all of a sudden on one night. I think that'd be really cool to like have a running diary of my experience as a, as a new Hornets fan in case something like that happened, like have been able to look back on that journey. And so um, the channel, uh, the Sam Dracula channel was actually started in 2016. I just never touched it. I made one video. It was meant to be a FIFA career mode video or a career mode uh, channel. I made one, I recorded it, I edited it, uploaded it, and I, I hated every second of it. So I deleted it. I was like, I, I hate, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, and not, you know, I still play FIFA, but I, I didn't want to be tied to doing FIFA regularly. So it was just sitting dormant for, for 26, for since 2016 at that point, three years. So I dusted it off, rebranded it to Sam Dracula. And then, uh, yeah, started uploading. And then, um, uh, I think August, 2019, uh, did it for about a year. Um, like one video a month for the most part, kind of really taking it really casually. Um, had like 40 subscribers in that year, which was really cool because I told no one I was doing it. Like I, none of my friends, none of my family knew I was doing this. It was something just for me because I like making videos. It's one of an outlet. And then um, uh, the podcast network. So the Believe in Hornets podcast is owned by the Believe Network. It's not mine. Uh, they reached out to me. They already had. So at the time, Muggsy Bogues was my co-host. Um, I got a DM from the Believe folks. And they're like, hey, you want to do a podcast with Hornets legend? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? What's that mean? Because <laughs> that, mean, that can mean a lot of things. A lot of interesting players have come through Charlotte. And so um, it turned out to be Muggsy. They, they saw wow. what I was doing. Um, uh, I, they like how I interacted with um, other Hornets fans on my channel. Like I was doing Discord videos where people could like call in over Discord. And they saw that and linked me up with Muggsy. And so that's how that came along. I'm going to be jumping ahead here. But yeah, um, that was at the start of last year. Um, the 2019-2020 season. No, 2020-2021 season. Um, and then, yeah, we're approaching 5,000 subscribers on the channel now. Uh, do watch-alongs, Hornets videos. And then the video version of uh, the Hornets podcast is uh, is with Raymond Felton. That's that's like every Monday, I think, is kind of where we're settling in that. We're only like four or five episodes in. But it's been great. Like, I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Like, I have a, full, I have a, like a, like a full-time job. So this is only for fun. Um, there's some money that comes from it, you know, but it's, I don't care. Like it's, this is only for fun. If I ever not, if it ever stopped being fun, I wouldn't do it anymore. So you were a news reporter. Where, mm-hmm. where were you a reporter? Like what, what was your, what was your job? And I mean, that had to make like the whole video making process way easier. Like you're used to being on camera, like talking to large audiences and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I, I worked at, there was an ABC affiliate in Southern Illinois, uh, the Fox affiliate here in Charlotte. That's how I ended up in Charlotte. Um, and uh, no, yeah, it was, um, I've been, I've seen some things um, that I, things I wish I never saw before or ever again. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a good experience. Like it's something that I'm grateful for that, that experience, like doing stuff. Cause I was my, I was everything. Like I did, everything. I was a reporter. I was my own photographer. I edited my stuff. I obviously wrote my stuff and then would post it online. Like I did everything. Um, and a lot of times you're just doing it all from like the backseat of a Toyota Camry. 
like, like you have your laptop on you and you got like your camera next to you. It's just, it's, it's a good way to like learn like time management. I, if there could be like a news reporter camp where people can go experience it without doing it full time, I would highly recommend it because it teaches a lot, but it's not good for like work life balance at all. Um, at least that one, that specific job, the general assignment reporter. Now, if you, if you you're going to do that, if you want to become an anchor, if you want to become a beat reporter, if you want to do like, uh, have, uh, like special projects, like investigative stuff, that's different. Um, that's a whole different beast, but like the general, like you show up, you don't know what you're going to do that day, breaking news, showing up with the fire behind you, whatever, like that, that, that wasn't for me. So I, I, I transitioned out of that when I could. Haven't looked back. Sometimes still have nightmares. We'll have to show up at the news station. <laughs> have those every once in a while. But uh, yeah, no, like I mentioned, yeah, it makes me like t- talking on talking into my camera here um, about basketball. That's not it's not a school board meeting. You know, no one got murdered. You know, there's no natural disasters. It's 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 light in comparison. Well, ap- apart from Clint Capella by Miles Bridges last year, he got murdered. Um, <laughs> <Facts>. <laughs> Um, no, I just want to go back to a couple of things you said. I'm really interested to hear more. I guess one, what was the experience of the, doing a podcast with Muggsy Bogues like? And and tell us like just your experience of dealing with Muggsy, still an ambassador for the team and still really involved like that. Mm-hmm. I know obviously you didn't grow up a Hornets fan, so probably didn't have that emotional attachment maybe. But, um, you know, as an NBA fan, Muggsy was still an iconic player just because of obviously his stature and his play style. So I want to hear about that. And also 5,000 subscribers for Charlotte Hornets YouTube channel is freaking mega. So well yeah. done. Like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is not the Lakers. It, it is a, a small market team, which has had literally nothing to shout about for success in its existence. So um, to, to build that sense of community is a super impressive man. So I just want to say uh, a big well done to that. And, you know, it'll be, good, it'll be good to hear kind of how, what you think were the key things to building, building that base. But yeah, let, let's hear about Muggsy first. I'm curious. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so I got I got the DM um, from the the network people about my interest, you know, basically real quick on the podcast, the structure of it, that it's a it's a formula, right? They have team specific podcasts for every market, every professional league, and they get a former player and a me, basically someone that is familiar with content creation that will be the producer, be the co-host and do the editing and uploading all that stuff. So. That, that's kind of the formula. They had Muggsy first. And then the goal was to find like a co-host that can do all like the, the back end stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, they told me all this stuff was great. Um, working with him. Amazing uh, with him. Uh, he had his uh, his daughter handles all his business. Uh, she I think she has like a, her own marketing company, all, all this stuff. So he just kind of coordinated with her to get time with him. And then he we had like a standing. Uh, I think it was Tuesday at 530 basically like a standing invite, um, which is still crazy. Cause I, I would like, you know, do it over zoom. You just kind of admit, would you like to admit Muggsy Bogues into a meeting? Like, yeah. <laughs> it never, that yeah, never I got old. I would. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it got so, it's so surreal every single time. And he was a joy, man. Uh, easily like one of the coolest and nicest people I've ever met. Um, he had no business talking to me ever, honestly, like, but he did. Um, like especially early on like the, the, the startup podcast not a lot of money coming in you know so for him to like carve out time on his regular schedule like that was incredible and then you know at that time Melo's rookie year so getting that point guard perspective um mm. it like as a charlotte point guard is really was really cool um in the in the early stages of the podcast um and then um he says oh he said something about 
Uh, James, you said something I wanted to hit on as well. Um, oh no, what, what could you rephrase? I there was two things. Again. One was about Muggsy, and then it was about oh. the five thousand subscribers. Yeah, so uh, on the Muggsy thing. So yeah, I wasn't a Hornets fan growing up, but you know yes. the the nineties Hornets were iconic. You know, Larry Johnson, yep. Muggsy Bogues transcended um, city boundaries fandom, and so I had. Um, I don't have it. It's like over there, but um, I have like a picture. I, I have a school picture in a Hornets jersey. I was like fourth grade and I'm, I'm that's an i grew up outside of chicago yeah during the jordan era and i took a school picture wearing a larry johnson jersey you know awesome. so like it's it just tra- it transcended it so you know those games were on like, the tv situation is way different now than it was then but no internet obviously so it was tough to like follow closely but everyone knew mugsy everyone knew larry johnson so like that that was in in there uh in me and especially anyone who had a starter jacket at that time as well. Yeah. Uh, there was, so yeah. Um, I remember Arnoldus Kuboka when he got drafted, there was like a picture yeah. of him as like a four-year-old in Lithuania wearing like a Hornets yeah. jersey or like a starter jacket or something like that. And I was like, that's crazy. Especially like in that time to be like in Lithuania to have Hornets gear. Like that's yeah. just bonkers to me. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and also I had a chance to talk to Muggsy about the Space Jam experience. Um which was really cool because I didn't know he was injured during like le- legit injured. So he was, that's why I was in a wheelchair. I didn't do much in the movie. <laughs> I had no um, idea. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also uh, he had a guest appearance on Kirby Enthusiasm, which I was very excited to talk to him about. Because if you haven't seen that episode, um, he basically, I don't want, I don't know. What, what's the podcast rated? I don't want to get to it. Yeah, detail, you, can, but... you can go into it a little bit. I, I, I've seen that episode because I love that show. He's really good in that episode. Muggsy's if like you're listening with your kids, skip forward 30 seconds now. Go ahead, right. Sam, tell us. So the premise, the premise of the episode, Larry David and his best friend, uh, as his best friend, um, Richard Black. Richard Black is, uh, is dating a black woman for the first time. And he, uh, he has a fear that, Richard has a fear that, his, uh, his penis won't compare to a black man's penis. And he's talking about experiencing like the Knicks locker room, seeing a bunch of the Knicks players and the forwards and like they're all like, got, a, got the hammer on them. And he's really intimidated by that, Richard. And so Richard and Larry happen to be in a, in a, in a bathroom with Muggsy Bogues. So like in their head, they're like, well, you've seen forwards, right? What about, okay, he's the smallest player ever. Surely not. Apparently Muggsy had it on him. Because I think on the podcast, he's like, they cast, they, 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 they chose wisely with the casting when we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about his deal. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Larry and Richard sneak a peek at Muggsy's deal at the urinal. Muggsy's going to go fight him. It's, a, it's, 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 it's good. It's a good, it's a good, really cool scene. And he talks about um, like the casting and like how we got the call about the, uh, about the uh, episode on that. Because like, how do you, how do you get that? Like your agent yeah, calls you and like, hey man. <laughs> you want to be on the uh, Larry Davis show so you can look at your wiener? <laughs> like, <how> you <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it's kind of in line with what we've seen from us. Like he's up for anything, you know, uh, enter, from the entertainment point of view. So yeah. And he was, uh, he was incredible uh, to work with it. Sadly, it came to an end. Uh, we went from like December to May, basically one or two weeks before the season ended. Um, and he just had other stuff to do. <laughs> just a bigger guy, uh, a busy guy. And um yeah, no hard feelings whatsoever. He was great. Uh, and uh, yeah, he just, uh, the world, the, at that point, the world was opening up again. So he had more opportunities. Yeah. So, you know, kind of had to do the show solo uh, without so, him. So that brings us on to your current co host, Ray Felton, which is yeah. obviously, like you say, you're only four or five episodes in. Um, Raymond Felton was like, I, 
he was like the first when I started following teams of Bobcats, he was the first guy. Like he was the yeah. captain of the team. I had a Raymond Felton blue NASCAR special jersey. Yeah, I love those. As, with the, with as the a checkers, kid. Uh, with the, the yeah, stripes. yeah, with the check again down the side. Yeah, I still I still got that somewhere um, in one of my drawers somewhere. So he was the first guy. So how, how's that been? Obviously, like like with anything, when you start a podcast, you're still getting to know people and you've got to build rapport. But how's mm. it been with, with Ray so far? Like I've listened to a couple of the shows really enjoyed it and especially that last podcast you talked about you know him getting drafted to charlotte and then also him leaving a free agency which is really interesting to go back and listen back to but how's that been so far oh it's been great so um doing the shows probably i think i've done more episodes alone than with a co-host with like a proper co-host um the uh so raymond comes in and he's like i'll just put on an email with him like all of a sudden i get an email from the network i see i'm not gonna say his email address but i see what what the name is on next like, what the hell is this <laughs> like i i get on my phone and go immediately go to my desktop just get a closer look at what i'm actually seeing here and you know we start scheduling um he starts texting me like my my numbers was in my uh in my uh in my email signature so he, he took the initiative to text me like no shots at anybody honestly but like we i wasn't we weren't maybe mugsy and i weren't texting I, raymond and i are so like when the herald trade went down i was like i hit him like hey what you think of this you know uh just get an idea before we started recording because like that was like Thursday. We recorded Monday. Just, you know, see where his head's at. And we we, we had like a brief like um, Zoom meeting before we even started recording just to kind of get a lay of the land, what he's kind of going for, why he wants to do it. Um, and it was checked all the boxes, felt really comfortable. You know, um, he's, he's not here to like to to clown people or anything like that or hot take people to death. Uh, he said he wanted to be the opposite of Stephen A. Smith, you know, like he didn't want to like. I like Stephen A, but like he has Stephen A serves a very specific purpose um, on TV and he, he's not really into that, um, which is fine. You know, he's a former player. He has a lot of respect for current players. Kind of hear it when he talks about like uh, the Ben Simmons and James Harden stuff, because um, we, we, we focus on the Hornets. But, you know, sometimes things obviously are bigger than what's going on in Charlotte. So we'll, we'll get into that every once in a while. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, last the last week's episode or this week's episode from this past Monday was really cool because we uh we do it's weekly that's the contract with the network and uh we recorded i was out of town the previous week so we missed our regular monday recording so we recorded that friday and it came right back again that monday and so there was one game to talk about we also had the charlotte fc game and then uh unc duke final coach k game so you know his numbers or his jerseys retired at chapel hill it's like all right well let's get the hornets out the way and get into the, some UNC stuff, some Coach K stuff, which transitioned nicely into him coming into the league, which transitioned yeah. nicely to playing for uh, Larry Brown and Michael Jordan. So, like, it was nice. Like, the universe kind of set that up um, pretty nicely uh, to, to get us to that point, which was really cool to, to, to get into because I'm sitting here, like, I want to get onto, into all the Bobcats, Bobcat stuff, right? But the content creator in me wants, like, to save some of that stuff when there's not Hornet stuff to talk about. So... We're gonna it's give a long you, off like, season. It's a long off season, Sam. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I, like I want to. I want perfect world. I would love to have uh, him, Sean May, Rashad McCants, uh, Marvin Williams. Um, I think that's all of them. Hopefully, I'm not missing anybody. Uh, all the lottery picks from that UNC. I want to like get all their stories from like that draft class. Um, I want to. I want Sean May and Raymond Felton on the show at the same time talking about those. Are again more just more Bobcat stuff going from UNC. He's going to really like, delve into the Charlotte stuff. Um, Raymond's talking about maybe getting Marvin Williams on. Um, we'll see. Um, 
so like yeah, he's, he seems to be raymond seems really engaged and interested in in in, in getting this going good. and uh which makes my job way easier right because like hi- hypothetically let's say we get Ray- uh raymond and, and marvin on a podcast that's one of those episodes where i'll say hey welcome to the leaving hornets podcast please like i'll get into all that and i'll sit back i was like move my mic away <laughs> it's like go guys go like, yeah. like go, go for it, man. Let's, let's hear all the stories. Because uh, we did a guest spot. Muggsy and I did a guest spot on the, the University of Kentucky version of the Believe podcast. And uh, that's co-hosted by Tony, uh, Tony Delk, who was, uh, Muggsy was Tony's rookie. Uh, was, that was like the rookie, like vet pairing when Tony Delk joined the Hornets at the time. And those guys just went, like, they just went after it. <laughs> like, I was like, suddenly, like, I do not, I, don't, I should not be on this call right now. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute. They're, they're talking, they're talking all this cool stuff about those playing days. And I think they also were in Golden State at the same time. Like, they, they left the Hornets around the same time, if not at the same time. And we're all like, saw the Latrell Spreewell thing go down where he choked uh, PJ Carlissimo. <laughs> like, yo, yo, this is nuts. <laughs> they saw some stuff together, they experienced some stuff together. But yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully we get some of that stuff too. Um, some some former players. The, the current player stuff, I don't know. Like that may be a little too tough. Um, yeah. Um, but be, what's the uh, reaction been from like your viewers and your listeners? Because there's a there's an element of people like the fans out there who want to forget about that Bobcats era like happening. Yeah. Like I know some people who refused to follow the team and only started following the team and it became the Hornets again. So, yeah. I mean, for me, like I'm a Bobcats nerd. Like I, I love going back and looking at all that stuff, but have you found some people have been like uh, reticent to, to look to kind of engage as much? Not, not specific to the podcast, but every once in a while on live stream, we'll talk about the jerseys and having like the potential mm. of like a Bobcats throwback night or like maybe they do like, a, like if, like what if Nike did a statement Bobcats Jersey? Um, and my thing is, A, just from an aesthetic point of view, um, my, the, the late Bobcats with like the white with the pinstripe, those, those jerseys were fire. Those are would, really, really nice uniforms. I love those. Yeah. So like, if it was those, that would be my vote, right? I, the, the, the orange ones, the initial yeah. ones are a little tougher, um, but maybe they could modernize it a little bit um, to make it a little easier on the eyes. I don't know. But uh, as far as the podcast goes, I don't know I haven't had seen anyone like I was really like, get this Bobcat out of here or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when it comes to like acknowledging the past and like fan, from a fan base point of view, yeah, you're right. Cause uh, people aren't, wouldn't be too keen to purchase a Bobcat jersey in the modern era, even if it is a throwback or would be concerned about like a, like a Bobcat's court throwback or anything like that. So I mean, that may be a tougher sell just because that I just, I was gonna say that one season, but it wasn't just that one seven win season. It was a lot. Bobcats fans went through a lot, a lot. Um, but I, I would, I'm a fan. I think they should do it now. Now, if it goes terribly, don't should never. They just th- toss it in the bin. Don't ever do it again. Like if if they put the Bobcats jerseys on and something horrible happens, it's it's that's a wrap. Put them in the put them in the storm. Like put them in the closet someplace and revisit it in ten years and maybe dust them off and try to get in there. But yeah. Well, I know um, I know the Hornets marketing team have got a bunch of old like Bobcats game freebie giveaways like in a just a storage room like collecting <laughs> dust like which is just yeah. sitting there so like on one of those nights would be a great example at least to empty the storage cupboard like when they need to make some more space yeah because like you know the bobcats are kind of a meme right obviously like the, the success was was limited during that stretch but they had a lot of great players come through and it's honestly if you yeah, great well, 
a lot. I, I, I regret entertaining a lot. and good. Yeah, like Jared Wallace is like a, a key <laughs> yes. piece yeah, in the franchise absolutely. history. Like he deserves recognition. Felton, uh, Al Jefferson, guys like that, like that really spend a lot of time playing bat- professional basketball in Charlotte. They deserve recognition. So maybe if Agree. maybe it's not a Bobcats night, maybe it's an Al Jefferson night, or maybe it's a Gerald Wallace night. That's probably a better way of doing it. Yeah. Um, one thing I really wanted to hear more about were your watch alongs, because this is something that I, I find really fascinating, especially like with, with the Hornets. Yeah. When did you decide to do your first watch along? Like in your very first one, was it like you and three other people and you just kind of built it over time? Uh, how do you engage people for like two and a half hours? Like for me, the idea of it is like pretty daunting. Um, and, and like, do you do it for every game or do you do just do it for kind of road games or how, how does that work? Really kind of curious. And also I guess I will say if people want to go and ever want to watch one of the watch longs, just go to the Sam Jackley YouTube channel. You'll be able to look back at some of the other ones to get a flavor of it. But I'm curious to hear more about you, about the inception of those and, and how they work. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm a I'm a football fan, your English football fan, you know, um, esteemed company, um, Manchester City channel. Yeah, really, I know, really. but I I was hoping you weren't gonna bring this is why I didn't bring you up on for so long, because I knew you were a city fan. Hey. And uh after after Kevin, the demolition Kevin, last week at the United Roman. Derby, it was a. Uh, I know I've timed this very poorly on coming on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would bring it up because he was a big inspiration for me. Like, I'm just ripping off his format from my switches. So he would do these watch-alongs, right? Um, and I wasn't – I saw, the, I saw like, um, there's a Knicks channel that was doing them. Um, and that, that's why I call mine watch parties. Because um, over in the Premier League, people like the Premier League uh, content creators call them watch-alongs. And I, I just think there's a little bit of a disconnect um, stateside versus in the UK. So that's why like, initially I was calling watch alongs and then I was like, no one else is calling them here. So I had to switch it to uh, live watch parties, but it's the same thing, honestly. And just kind of chilling. I'm watching these games anyway. So I might as well do it on stream. Um, at that point I made a video, I made a season preview video. And I said, if this video gets hundred likes, I will live stream the first game of the season. Um, never done it. Like hasn't, I've never done a live stream up until that point. And uh, the video did not get hundred likes. So I was like, cool, bullet dodged. Um, and but I got a lot of DMs saying, Hey, you're gonna do the, the live uh, watch along. I'm like, Damn it, <laughs> yeah, you thought you thought you got it, like, not, not quite. Damn it, yeah, <laughs> it was like two hours before, so like I scrambled, made like a quick like overlay and made a thumbnail and uh hit and you know hit go live, and it went really well. Um, like it was painless, it was easy, and uh, the reception and, and it really helped grow the channel because at that point. Uh, Bally's it was pre Bally, but it was that year where they switched from Fox Sports to Bally Sports, and just finding Hornets games was really tough. Um, it got a lot, got a lot harder, right? Um, like oh, a, so, so do you find that a lot of your viewers are people who are blacked out and can't watch the game, yeah. so they kind of want to engage with you, you or watch you watching the game in a sense? Yeah, they want to know what's going on. They want to know what jerseys we're wearing. Right, okay. So, because um, the one thing is I was going to, I couldn't imagine having to watch the game and like watch you and try and listen at the same time. But I, yeah. again, this is like one of the things where because of mine and Chase's location, we don't have the blackout issues with the Hornets game specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, or I know I definitely don't because I can access them all. But I guess for people strictly in North Carolina, the Charlotte area, I know it can be a massive, massive challenge for them. 
yeah, whether, whether it's blackouts, they can't afford League Pass or don't have cable in their household like the, their, their kids. And, you know, that's why I don't I keep my stuff clean because I don't want. Well, A, it's good for YouTube. Like I, I said, I, I do this for fun, but the money's it's not a lot of money, but I'm not, I'm not trying to say no to free money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and YouTube doesn't like the swearing. Um, plus, I have a real job. Can't be doing that uh, either. <laughs> it's just cursing <laughs> on the Internet. Um, but also, like, I would hate for a kid to have to, like, not watch my stuff because their mom heard me <laughs> like that 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 trips me out um but yeah like yeah people who just live in charlotte can't get the game for whatever reason um in college like you know don't have money for league pass and want to stay in touch or just you know have like it's basically like a group chat too because there are a lot of regulars that come in and as things happen they could come in and like give reactions to things interact with people like within themselves react with me specifically um yes yeah, it's, it's 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 really cool um it's grown a lot um, the, um, especially early, like all the LaMelo hype, a lot of that early people coming in asking specifically, specifically about LaMelo, like what's Melo's numbers. I would get that in my chat so much. I've moderated a guy who was like, Hey, anytime anyone asks this, I'll just pop his numbers in there. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't, hadn't had my stream set up properly where I could easily reference the box score and the game cast. Like it was a little bit of a mess. So shout out to SV early on <laughs> to helping me out, uh, with that. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was an easy way to, not easy, sorry. Easy is the wrong word because it was, it is difficult talking by yourself for like two and a half hours um, at a time. And it, but it, it helped grow the channel quite a bit. Um, got put in the YouTube algorithm easily. And then so it's available at, on demand as well after stream, which I didn't think anyone would be interested in watching it as it's not happening anymore. But people were, I would get messages if I didn't do the, the, the VOD People were like, hey, man, where's the where's the vibe? What happened? I'm like, okay, all right, here you go. Like, <laughs> it's done, so might as well watch it. I don't know, like, if they, yeah. they could go through and, like, see specific reactions to things if they want to. But, uh, yeah, people appreciate it, and I appreciate them. Because, like, it's, I'm, like I said, I'm watching these games anyway. Having regular people come in, uh, regulars come in and, you know, talk about the game as it's happening. People will check in from the building from, from time to time. If they're watching in person, pop in at halftime, um, send videos and things like that. It's, it's it's cool. Uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of um, that experience and community. And like, if <laughs> I tell them all the time that I'm, I do this because it's fun, like I just told you guys. And if it were, if it ever wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. Um, sometimes work gets in the way. Sometimes scheduling gets in the way. So it's not every game, uh, but yeah, um, the plan is for every game, uh, for the most part. I think I did sixty games, sixty of the seventy games last year. Um, I'll probably do about the same, probably 60 games, even though there are more games this year, just because, you know, West Coast. Well, that's things. like you went to a game the other week, so you obviously can't yeah. do that one and, and other stuff on the West like Coast, that. When the West Coast, those 10.30 starts, I can't, I can't, man. I'll be sleeping on stream. I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> I do the same thing. That, that, those are a, a morning viewing for me whenever they yeah. start at like 10 or 10.30. 100%, 100%. I can't do it. <laughs> so what is the, you know, like a, the uh, what, what, would, what would the stock check be? of the, the Hornets fans in your live watch parties right now. Cause we all know that things, you know, haven't, haven't gone well in the last month and a half or so. So are people still kind of on the wagon here? Or is it a, is it more of a, a, a war zone in the, in the chat? It, I want to say, I want to say it's, it's new, but it's not people. People want Borrego's head, man. They want it. Mm. <laughs> they the want internet. It. I was gonna, I was gonna ask like if those it. guys have made it over to your YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, well, they've been here though. When Lamella wasn't starting, 
they, they were they had that 10 toes down this entire time heavy on the five regular things i see people who weren't who are now on that side of things um also have folks shout out to neon charge he always keeps things i don't know if he's i don't know what his gender is so i'm sorry uh neon charge is a person in my chat who is really quick to like People are like, oh, why is why is PJ playing more than Lamella Ball? And Neon would be like, well, he has four fouls. Like, what do you want from him? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's very quick with that. So I appreciate I appreciate uh, Neon for that. But yeah, it's uh, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, fire Borrego, Fire Borrego, Fire Borrego. I hear that all the time. Um, it's probably more now than it was last year. Um, it's it's got to be hot, like because there's only so hit- much you can react to that. Like, you know, you've got an opinion. I don't know what yours is, so we'll get that in a minute. But, like, yeah. it's hard to kind of keep discussing that, like, stream in, stream out, surely. Like, it is, I mean, yeah. me and Chase touching it maybe once, but then we don't touch on it again maybe for how many weeks. If you're just getting fired at it, like, that's coming at you all the time, it's going to be, like, pretty challenging just, just to kind of constantly have to deal with and answer the same way. Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer it if I see it, um, when, when I see it. But no- normally, like... It's um like so I have I have two screens, right? And then I got an iPad where I have the game on. And so I got like like what I'm broadcasting on one screen, and then I can I got the chat on another screen. So I'm not seeing the chat 100 percent of the time. So I'm watching the game like in front of me. I wish I could show the game. Like that'd be ideal. People come in, that's another thing. That's died off quite a bit, thankfully. People don't think understand how copyright works. So <laughs> yeah, like um, you're playing the game like in the yeah. background or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think like, YouTube would be too happy about that one. Or no, the NBA, no, the NBA no, would be come down in about 30 minutes of that stream starting, probably. Yeah, man. I worked I worked too hard to uh like to to be like a, a YouTube partner or whatever to like have it all go away with a copyright strike. Yeah. Or like any copyright strikes. But um yeah, so like uh, uh people would um also, like, yeah, you know, I'm watching the game and I'll see that comment on it and then like and go right back to the game because I my 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 viewpoint on on maybe I'll, I don't want to jump ahead on. We can talk about breaking it later, I guess. But um, yeah, so you see those things. I address it. And sometimes those things aren't meant for me. Like they're just meant for other people in the chat. So mm-hmm. I'll just let other people in the chat handle it. And it's like, here's my thoughts, you know, and I'll just go back to like, all right, the ball shoots and scores. Just kind of keep it keep it running yeah. off those. But it does, it does get old. Uh, it does get old quite a bit. That and so, people who are really, so trying to trade Hayward, like A, we're past the deadline. B, he's hurt. <laughs> and C, we can't do it. He's not getting traded. This, you know, like this guy was adamant about trading for Miles Turner. I was like, fam, first off, we can't physically can't, and also Indiana's not trading him. They made their choice. Like they traded us a bonus. Their Turner is locked in unless he leaves for on a free agency deal. Like he's. He's staying there. So, like, yeah. move on. There are other centers in the league. Just move on. It's time to move on from Miles Turner. It's fine. I guess okay. I think you probably, like, so uh, uh, most of my engagement with, like, Hornets followers is done on Twitter. Uh-huh. And um, do you find you get a wider spectrum of people, like, who've, like, followed the team? Like, on Twitter, like, people who follow me are small followings, but it's, like, quite hardcore people. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. they know the ins and outs. Do you get much like a much wider net people who maybe casually more follow it or are just beginning to? And um, I guess it's hard then because like my content, I know exactly my audience. Whereas yeah. yours, do you find it's broader? Oh no, it's 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 the hardest of the hardcore still. All right, um, it, yeah, because it's really really niche with it. Um, but we, my favorite thing though 
just far as like audience goes is when the other team comes in because mm-hmm. there there's no like me for what I like the Pistons. There is, but like that's that's a, I just do that out there randomly. But enter whatever team. There may not be someone doing what I'm doing on that night. And so it'll come in, which I love. Like, please tell me your thoughts on your yeah. our team from your point of view and or like I want to get their point of view on how their season's going. Uh, because you know, depending on who's in town, like I'll ask about like how like if we play the Pistons, like how y'all like in Tyrese Halliburton, like how you you gassed or you excited? Like, give me your thoughts. And then I'll start like talking shit about Malcolm Brogdon out of nowhere. Like, all right, man, relax. I didn't ask all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like so yeah, it's 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 the hardest of hardcore Hornets wise. And then the 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 cool thing, the benefit is like you get the the other the opposing view every once in a while. People come in and ask us like if it's a Hornets channel. I'm like, yo, check them. Like, it's right there, man. It's like it says Hornets fan channel at the bottom, but. That's those are weird, but um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty hardcore, pretty hardcore for sure. So, what are your thoughts on James Borrego? Like, what how, with how much of you know what has happened over the last couple months should be pinned on him? Like, if you if you were in his shoes, what if any, what changes would you make to the team right now? Like, uh, what are, what are your thoughts? What do you think the offseason evaluation on him is going to be? So, um, I think you know, going back to the summer. I think extending Brego was the right thing to do. You, you do that 10 times out of 10. Um, you got to show faith in him, the locker room, that this is not going to be, like, uprooted, not going to have a new philosophy come in with a lame duck coach. Like, you you had to do that, and they should have done it. Um, and I still think it's the right thing to do, even um, in March now. Uh, I think Brego has done an incredible job since he's been in Charlotte. Um, I think this team has gotten better every year as more talent comes in. And I think he's done a good job of developing that talent now, it's hard to ignore Miles's growth, Cody's growth under under Borrego. Um, Lamelo's rookie year is weird, obviously because he got hurt all that time. But I think he's a better player in year two. Um, people who think that Borrego hates Lamelo Ball, I still don't understand that. That that's something that comes up a decent amount. Yeah, I'm James Booknight. Don't forget James Booknight yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Apparently, yeah. Borrego hates him as well. Yeah, man. Like, I'm. I, I tell I, I'm when I'm on stream like I'm not, I'm not here to change your mind anybody's mind I'll say that that is cannot be that cannot be true that's so just making stuff up um under under no circumstance would Brego dislike Lamelo Ball or like think he's oh he's not on the floor I can't play 48 minutes a game like what do you mean you can't you can't do he invited it. he used to invite him over to his house for pizza and chicken wings like over the summer and Lamelo would play with his kids you don't you don't you don't do that to with with people you don't like I, I don't think yeah and it is like his job's on like his job's at stake he's not going to intentionally sandbag Lamelo ball um to preserve like he needs Lamelo ball to help him win and that's how he keeps his job but I think I think Brego should remain let me I, he should be the coach um this year and I think next year as well um, I, I think he's doing a good job. And I think we're, we're about to um, enter, like, a, I, think a, I think we're on the verge of something in Charlotte. We see how good this team is in flashes and streaks. Just not, we haven't seen that sustained success, yeah. right? And that's how end up at 500, right? And the concern right now is if this team had to play a plan game again, that they wouldn't be ready. Um, and I don't know if that's his fault because his team sometimes looks fatigued. They look unfocused. And I don't know if that's the coach. I don't know if, if the rotations have these guys burnt out. I don't know if the players are inexperienced and they can't can sustain that level of focus for an entire game, like an entire season, or can't like get that focus up for one game. So I, 
I don't look at this team's kind of mediocrity as Borrego's fault. Because when you have these streaky shooting efforts or times where this team is like a top five defense in the league for a few games, it just falls off a cliff when no, like for no reason. Theoretically, like there's a reason, but uh, there's always a reason, but like no personnel reasons. Like it's the same set of players. Why can't they play defense from night to night? I don't know whose fault that is. Uh, but I don't, I think it's a collective. Uh, I think everyone contributes to the, the successes and, and failures, but this team has gotten better. There's no doubt about it. And I, I want, for LaMelo, for LaMelo people out there, you know, changing coaches isn't good for young players' development either, right? It's having that consistent mindset in that locker room is good. We've seen that, right? We've seen what, he, what this team has done with low lottery picks and second-round picks. Imagine what they'll do with LaMelo if they have a level of consistency throughout his, uh, his first, like, first few years. And then, you know, if this team flames out, doesn't make the playoffs, I think it's well within the reason to make a change. Um, Cupcheck's talked about it multiple times, even going back to last year when they signed Hayward. This team's goal is to make the playoffs. He also said this team's ahead of schedule, uh, from a development point of view. So, like, it's kind of like, which is it? Um, but they are ahead of schedule. Um, I think they're not, you know, not, they're not ready to compete at a high level yet, but I don't think that that's that's too far off. So, officially, to borrow a uh, football term, I'm Borrego in, um, until we're out of the playoffs, then we can have those talks, I think. And I think it'd be Chase. fair. Clip that and, and let's play it everywhere. <laughs> Clip it and preach it from the rooftops. Yeah. Hashtag we go in. on a billboard <laughs> on the highway in, in Charlotte or something like that. No, I, I, I think um, you I think you've put that in a, actually, I just think you've explained that. I'm not doing the exact word I'm trying to say right here. Uh, I think you've eloquated, uh, blah, words. Eloquently. I think you eloquently put that. Um, yeah. And, and explain it. And like you say, you know, your job, you're not trying to change people's mind. People ask your opinion. You're going to give yeah. your opinion. Um, I, I've, I've been saying for a while now, the only way I see them ever making a coaching change with Borrego is if he were to lose the locker room, right? You yeah. know, if, if, if 15 players walked up to Mitch Kupchak's office and said, this guy is holding us back. None of us have any faith. At that point, you've got to make the move because... You know, if, if your players aren't buying in, then it doesn't matter who you are. Like, if they're not buying in, you just have to make the change. That That's the only way I see that happening. Um, yeah, unless that happens, uh, they, are, they will be sticking with him for all the reasons that you've said. And we had a, a minor a minor incident with him in book night, right? I think it got a little bit blown out yeah. of proportion. Um, and there was no follow-up. Like, there was no, no nothing, you know? Um, I, think, I think it says a lot, because that could have been easily, like, the start of, like, a snowball. Right. I, I didn't see stories about, yo, this is what happened. You know, Book Knight had a mysterious wrist injury after that. <laughs> Maybe he punched something he shouldn't have. I don't know. Um, and then he's out with the upper body injury. It's a little weird since of the G League. But there's no, like, stories of heat or no. follow tension. No, no agent leaks. There's, yeah. there's none of these, yeah, none of these, and, like, Shams, Wodge tweets, which, you know, you begin to hear about those of some of the coaches, like Luke Walton was, like, the ultimate victim of, <laughs> media leaks all the time wasn't he when he was with yeah. the kings um yeah. like we, we're not getting that yet it is com- completely quiet you, uh, like you say so yeah, yeah. until uh, like so like at that, at the, towards the last like our marvin bagley of all people refused to check in right uh when we, when luke walton was the coach when we get to that level sure then yes i'm 100 with you you know or like even like uh my one of my favorite nba moments ever right what year was it? 2011, basically, somewhere around then. Orlando. Uh, 
Stan Van Gundy is giving interviews to the press post-practice and the press is asking him, Hey man, we hear Dwight went to the GM, asked for you to get fired. And then uh, Stan Van Gundy is like answering these things. And then Dwight comes over having no idea what they're just talking about, puts his arm around Stan and then the expression changes. <laughs> Top 10 NBA moment of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Go YouTube it if you haven't already. It's excellent. <laughs> that was hilarious. I love that too. That, that, the, uh, Dwight just coming up and being completely Clueless. unaware of the situation is <laughs> And then so flat out denying good. it, right? That he, that he tried to get him fired and tried to, walk, tried to walk it back. And I think yeah. the next year he got traded to LA, maybe, if I remember that correctly. Like, it kind of threw off the whole timeline of yeah. him trying to get out of Orlando. All right. We got to do it before you get out of here. Prediction for where the Hornets finish. Do they stay? Do they stay in nine? You think they, they're the last playing team? Do they fall out of it? Do they make a furious comeback to go up back up the standings? What are we thinking here? So uh preseason, I said best case scenario. Literally, if everything went their way, they're a six seed. Um, like that's the absolute ceiling. Uh that's pre-Herald, obviously, and all that. Um looking at it now, I think the absolute best they can do is the eight seed. Um, and I say, I say that saying Nets, I think, will elevate past Toronto. And mm-hmm. it'll be Toronto, Charlotte, Atlanta, the Wizards, and Knicks, somewhere in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. So I think, I think the Hornets will be a nine seed. I think we're kind of – I think we're going to ride these streaks the rest of the way, and we're just going to win two, lose two, win one, lose three, win th- four. Like, it's going to be one of those the rest of the way. And I just don't see us making up enough ground. Um, and then at that point, got to hope we don't match up with something crazy in the play-in because that that could be brutal. Um, there's no easy – once you get past the play-in, it's an L. But I think we can make the play-in and depending on matchup, make it out into the playoffs properly. But I'm still concerned. Like, uh, with the Nets game, man – sorry, I know you're trying to wrap up, but uh, – I was in the building for that, right? Tie game. Or sorry, both teams tied. I'm going into the game. Really statement win. KD coming to town. Kyrie coming to town. That should have been a playoff game. Like, should, yep. And they, mm-hmm. they weren't ready for that. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't have the answer to it. 0-6. 0-6 or 0-7? Oh, we'll win this in overtime. 0-7 in overtime. Yeah. Any, like, big, right. any big yeah. game or crunch time in like the last 12 months – since like the end of last season, the team just just folds. Like yeah. we were just talking about it before you came on. Like when it becomes like the biggest moments where you're like, right, it's gut check time now. It, the gut ain't there. Like, no. and, yeah. and I don't know if that's youth naivety, uh, big stage. Like you, you don't. It, you know, it's gonna be a a combination of multiple factors. It's never as simple as it's just one thing. It's never as simple yeah. like it's all Borrego's fault. It's not all, if, you, if you're saying it's not Borrego's fault, you're not saying that you hate LaMelo. Like it yeah. can be a piece of pie, which is cut into like a hundred pieces, um, which all got different meanings. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult for, those, for these close games. Um, you feel like whenever there's something on the line, like it be, you begin to get worried. Yeah, well, like well, the Pistons are like, 2.2 seconds left or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There, yeah. We're, it's now we're, it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can draft the tweet now. Like what I was, uh, I was on my phone. I was actually out of Charlotte on, on a, on a work trip. So I was watching an NBA TV, uh, which is a, is a trip not hearing Eric Collins and, and Del Curry. I think it was NBA TV. I think, I think it was that game. I might've been watching. I don't know. Forget that. 
but I was watching it and uh because it might not have been under anyway. Uh <laughs> I was like, I drafted on on Twitter on Twitter. Let's type RIP. And it's a header ready. As soon as Olenek hit that bucket, it sent. I was like, I knew it. I knew it, man. And it was gonna happen. It's just too much. So, like, yeah, finish finishing a nine seed, getting into the play in, but to what end? It's like, all right, well, it's a good experience. You can bank that experience, something to, to hopefully learn from and in, in losses and failures that you hopefully don't recur again. But when you see teams like the Hawks going from nothing to something to a major Eastern Conference run, the Heat the year before that, going from a 10th seed to a fifth seed and then the finals, like we see it on a right, it's becoming a pattern where teams can make that leap without that first kind of initial run, right? Because uh, that was the old like adage, even the Suns, like teams you need that first experience before you get over that hump. Like with those like Tracy McGrady years, we can never really do it or like things like that. So um, I'm wondering when that time will come. I think it will. I know it will at some point. It kind of statistically has to work at some point, right? It may not happen soon, but it has to happen at some point. And I think, I think we're not too far off from it. And I hope that if they can get into the playoffs, they can learn from it. Cause I don't see it going particularly well, given what we've seen up to this yeah. point. No, I, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with you, and I think Chase would as well. Um, all right, I think we will wrap up there. Um, Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was really good talking to you. Really, really interesting. And like, just just to repeat what we said earlier, like props to you for like growing this out of nothing in 2019 to where you are now. It's it's super impressive. Um, big fan of your work. Say hello to Ray from me and Chase. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we will we will look to continue to follow your work this year and. And hopefully we uh, we might get a player for a play-in stream, which we'll uh, definitely tune oh, in for. Man. Oh man, so, uh, the pace of one did not go well. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how how so, many like minutes into the game was it before everyone was like, "Oh, we're having a really bad time"? This is oh, immediate. This is- it was immediate. <laughs> it was, wait, was it? Hold on a second. No, because no, the Hornets came out hot. I thought. I think if I'm remember, I try to bury this deep in my mind. I, I literally, I don't think I. Remember I think I think they went up game. in like the first two minutes, and then after that. I think Mars Bridges and PJ Washington ran into each other on back-to-back yes. out-of-bounds plays to fall over. And at that moment, everyone was like, yeah, this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did a video with, uh, shout out to Born Ready Jones. He's basically me, but for the Pacers. He has a YouTube channel. And I, I brought him onto the channel to talk about the play And his, his whole thing was like, y'all, you guys can kick our asses. Like, yeah. everyone, they, they quit on the coach. You know, the Sabonis, and it was clear – then it was pretty clear that Sabonis and Turner didn't work together. Like they had guys hurt. It was meant to be a, a cakewalk, man. And he came in, he propped up the Hornets, talked about all the issues the Pacers have. And the Pacers, he was like, yeah, the Pacers have no reason to play for this coach, all this stuff. And then, nope. <laughs> oh, big fat nope, man. Oh, man. That was brutal. Brutal. And then the, the guys had to do the interviews the next day, the postseason, <laughs> end of season oh, interviews. Yeah. And like uh, Terry Rozier was pissed and Miles was like, all those guys said the right thing. Like if I hopefully, you know what? I'm not even gonna say it. Positive thoughts, much better interviews coming up this year. All right. No more pissed off tarot and Miles Bridges in those postseason interviews. Like I, I I think it'll be okay, but I'm not holding my holding my hope. So I will uh, I'll right I'll drink to that. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, me too. But we're getting a play in victory this year. You heard it here. Let's first. get it. Bring out Toronto, man. We we'd have the we'd have the Hawks, right? If it uh, ended right today. now, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be us. I probably uh, the Hawks or Raptors. I think are probably the two. Li- I don't think the Nets are going to be. Yeah, falling, the, the Cavs may fall out anymore. With, but maybe we'll see. Yeah, we'll I, yeah. I don't want to play the Cavs though. 
Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it's going to be. Teams, I can't lie. I don't know if I'm yeah. scared of all these teams. No, honestly, I don't necessarily want to play any of them particularly, but <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be an interesting month coming up because along with the Hornets, a lot of those teams aren't playing very well either. So yeah at least at least we're not alone in in this battle but sam thank you so much for coming on this this was awesome we really hope that you can can come on again james and i if they're they're, we're going to tune into that the second playing game stream because there there will be one this year we're going to get a second playing game i might do one for the pelicans because we we need them to get in the playoffs so i may stream (laughs) (laughs) sam Sam dracula pelicans youtube channel for for the next i know it's sacrilege because they left charlotte but like we need them in the playoffs we'll get their pick we need that yeah, we, so we, we, we do we have to root for them. <laughs> the, Let's go, CJ. Awesome. I'm gonna get a CJ McCollum jersey. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, that, hey, CJ's awesome. That'd be a good idea. So, yeah, thank you again for coming on, man. This was awesome. We My appreciate pleasure. all the listeners for listening to this episode too. We'll see you guys in about a week. Peace.